Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and today we have the honor of having James Knowles with us. Don't tell me how much you know until you show how much you care is the mantra of today's guest, James Knowles principal of Marilla Primary School in Marilla, New York. Jim, as he prefers to be called, is presently in his 49th year in the field of education, with 43 of those years being spent as a teacher and administrator in the Iroquois Central School District, which encompasses the towns of Elma, Marilla, and Wales. Jim's leadership position have included being a teacher team leader, department chair, coach, athletic director, high school principal, primary school principal, and superintendent. In each of these positions, Jim has maintained that a culture where students, teachers, and staff care about each other, respect the rights and feelings of others, take good care of things around them, and strives to be the best is the key to success. Jim is inspired by leaders who get things done with a positive attitude. Leaders who enjoy their profession and come to work each day with enthusiasm and a willingness to serve their students and staff. When he is asked how his day is going, he answers, best day of my life so far. So welcome, Mr. James Knowles. How are you? I am doing great. Best day of my life so far. So as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready anytime you are. Thank you. Great. Jim, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership? Yes, I can. It really began when I was growing up and the people that were models for me when I was growing up. And among those, uh, certainly my mom and my dad and a uh, high school basketball coach I was fortunate to have in the small town we lived in. And they were all very good at their chosen profession. My dad was a Pennsylvania state policeman and he was the head of the substation in the town we grew up in. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom and always there to uh, offer guidance and a very, very caring person and an honest person. And that really had a big influence on me. And then my high school basketball coach was certainly a man of integrity. And he not only tried to hone our skills as basketball players, but he also taught us a lot about how we could be successful in life. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that was extremely, extremely important. Then as I chose to be a teacher, I was raised in a town which had a teacher's college in it, Mansfield, Pennsylvania, and I went into teaching, and I was fortunate enough to have a cooperating teacher when I did my student teaching who was phenomenal. He was a great teacher, and I really tried to pattern myself after him. He was a good leader. He was great with uh, his teaching, but he was also great with the kids. And I think that was extremely important. And I still feel it's very important. And then when I came to Iroquois, I had a principal 
Dennis Ryan, who was very dedicated to taking young teachers and helping them succeed. And so I was fortunate there. And then as I moved on through the Iroquois system, I had a number of principals and superintendents, one in particular, a man named Dr. Michael Glover, who at one time was the head of the Genesee Valley BOCES as a mentor. And the thing about him, when he came to Iroquois, he was a young man. And I had called a person I knew that knew him to say, well, what is this gentleman like? And he said to me, you may not always like what he tells you, but he'll always tell you the truth. Hmm. And that was so. Even me. back then, you were vetting people. Yes, vetting those yes, who have I, influence on you. Yes, I really do think you need to look into who the person is and get an idea about what kind of character that person has. If they're going to lead people, I really truly believe they have to have character. Mm-hmm. I was at Iroquois for. 41 years, and wow. now I'm back. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very, you very took a little break, huh? It's been, it's been a great experience. <laughs> so I had the honor of speaking with you because Dr. Kevin McGowan spoke so highly of you. Kevin is a phenomenal person. I was fortunate to work with Kevin when I was the principal of the high school. He was the assistant principal, and I learned a lot from Kevin. And we had a great relationship, and uh, I'm still in contact with him. Great. So now you're in the Iroquois School District. What do you do there now? Right now, I am doing an interim principalship at Marilla Primary School. Mm-hmm. This job opened this summer when the principal who was here went on medical leave. And then, unfortunately, that became elongated, Mm -hmm. and they asked me to stay for the year. And so I'm going to be staying for the year, and they'll begin to advertise for this position uh, probably within the next few months. So you're back in action. Yes, I am. And I'll (laughs) tell you, it's great to be back in action. I truly enjoy, as I say, I was at Iroquois for 41 years to start, and then I did a number of interim principalships and superintendencies. I really have enjoyed my profession. I've been so blessed Mm. to enjoy what I'm doing. And so I love being here and I love being with these young kids. This is a K through four building. And I was mostly with high school kids before. So it's a great experience. And I wish our listeners can see you, your radiance and so inviting. And I'm so excited. Jim, how would you describe your leadership style? I really feel I lead by example. I am approachable. I'm dedicated to my students and the staff. I'm trustworthy. I'm willing to make decisions. I'm visible during the school day. I am out and about all the time. The the students and the staff, they see me. So you're visible. Uh, I work very hard to build a culture where people care about each other and they respect the rights and feelings of others and they care about the things around them and they strive to be the best. And I think that is so important in any leadership role that you have a culture that leads to that kind of thing. Now, Jim, you say you're out and about, that people see you. And that's really important because I've had conversations with parents who tell me they've never seen the superintendent. You know, you're right. That is the case. In positions where I was superintendent at Iroquois, at Niagara Wheatfield for a year, at Warsaw for a year, and I was at the New York State School for the Blind for three and a half years in Batavia. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that people needed to see you. Mm -hmm. You had to know people. You had to know them by their name. You had to know what they did. Just as a simple example, at the New York State School for the Blind, I walked by a person who worked in maintenance, and I said, hi, and I called him by name, 
-hmm. And he looked at me and said, how do you know my name? And I said, because I work with you. I think it's extremely important that we do those kinds of things. And out when the kids come in in the morning, I'm out there to greet them and, and their parents who drop them off. I, I talk to their parents all the time. So it's a fun experience. Well, it shows that you value those around you, which are marks of a really effective and good leader. Well, I'll tell you, I, I really care very much for the people and they have to know that. I have to tell them how much they're appreciated, what a great job they do. And I'm very, very fortunate here because uh, we have teachers that are really phenomenal and they're very involved with the youngsters. And, and that's the way it should be. That's what education is all about as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you for that. Now, can you tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? Yes, I can certainly do that. I'm a great believer in don't tell me how much you know until you show me how much you care. That could be anybody because too often I think people who lead look at people like you have to you know, pay attention to me, you know, I don't have to pay attention to you necessarily. And so the kids also, you could be the smartest person in the world and if you don't care about them, they can pick that up. Any leader needs to uh, really live by that mantra and that certainly has been my mantra for a long time. Well, you know, Dr. John Maxwell, who is an extremely effective leader, says this all the time, and I actually thought that he coined the phrase, but it was actually I Teddy Roosevelt. I like that he could have, because I've read a lot about him. I do a lot of reading and motivational type reading. That's my favorite, and we're going to talk about that, I know. But I've read a lot of his works, and I also write a column every week to the staff at Merla Primary mm. and uh, things that are motivational. It's not to say, do it this way. It's to tell them, hey, did you ever think about this and so on? And they don't even have to read it if they don't want to, but people seem to enjoy that. I'm sure that he probably was the one. Actually, <laughs> it was Teddy Roosevelt. Is that who said it? Good, that's great. <laughs> not surprising, not surprising. Oh, you have to write up uh, San Juan Hill or something. <laughs> it really resonates, especially with educators. I know that it is absolutely true. I feel the same way when I'm with my students. And I've experienced this because I worked with students with special needs. And when I first started, I worked with students with emotional and behavioral disorders. Right. And right. they really don't care how much you know you until better, they know how much you care. You better believe it. And I think that we could all live by that. And another uh, quote that I really believe strongly in is to seek first to understand and then to be understood. Beautiful. And I believe in that because, you know, too often we never hear what the other person said because we are so ready to respond. Right. So I like to listen to a person and listen to what they have to say as opposed to saying, oh, you have to believe it this way. Well, maybe your belief is better than mine. And I'm certainly willing to change if that's the case. So I do really make it a point to listen to what people are saying and that my way is not necessarily always the best way for everybody, mm -hmm. but we can talk about it. That's beautiful. I do enjoy that, and I know that I always believe, and I say this to the teachers, that they're the ones that touch the future, because these little kids that are sitting here, and also the high school kids that are sitting there, are being turned to a profession, perhaps, but just the idea of, of you talking to them and doing it in a personal manner is extremely, extremely important because that goes right back to my first statement about, you know, tell me how much you care. Okay. And, and, and I've always made it a point when I was teaching in the classroom or when I was in administration that I lived by that. 
Wonderful. One other one that I always believe is uh, strive to become great, go from good to great. And you know that that is Jim Collins, who wrote some really excellent books. And I've always believed that, uh, you know, we ought to really try to move uh, from good to great, but we sometimes become too satisfied with good. And that's not always the best thing to do. You're absolutely right. And I really appreciate all these wonderful quotes. You're going to be my go-to Oh, I'm going to call you and say, Jim, what's a quote for this? You're going to be the man. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, So, Jim, can you tell me what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I'm inspired by leaders who get things done in a positive way. I used to always say in meetings, let's not make this a meeting where we sit around and admire the problem. Let's do something about it. Because you and I both know that meetings sometimes we sit around and admire and admire and admire, and then we'll call up to the next meeting, and it doesn't get And that's extremely frustrating. Yes, it is. It is. And I think a leader really has to take the lead in making sure that when you come in to solve a problem, then let's take a look at it. Let's look at something that could work, and let's do something. If it doesn't work, then we'll try something else. But let's just not sit and talk and talk and talk. I'm not a fan of that. I like people who come to work and they come with enthusiasm every day. My comment that I always make when people would say to me, how's your day going? I always say, best day of my life so far. <laughs> and, and I've used that uh, saying truthfully, and I really believe in it. Uh, when I was a high school teacher and principal, and it was remarkable how many kids I would say to them, how's your day going? And they'd say, best day of my life so far. Oh, wow. And so, I think it really is something that we have to look at and look at the positives of what are going on in our lives. And and I've been extremely fortunate, so that comes out. You know, there are days we don't have good days. How do you frame that? Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I try to look at the good in everything. Yes, there are times when we all become frustrated. But then again, I go back to the thing, what can we do to solve this frustration And let's get on with the day. I don't want my attitude to affect somebody else's attitude in a negative way. So that's my feeling. I I really try to be a very very up person. And I think if you were to talk to people, I am. I have to tell you, Jim, it's contagious. I'm sitting up a little taller. I'll tell you what. You know, when little kids come, they see you and they see you're enthusiastic and so on. They become that same way. And I also look at students when they come in. And some of them don't come, perhaps, from the best background. And my biggest thing here is I want them smiling coming in. I want them smiling going home. Mm. And so you're very intentional about that. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So, Jim, what's the best advice you ever received? I don't know if there's any one little bit of advice, but there's a few of them that have. Never be afraid to try and never be afraid to fail. I believe strongly in that because out of failure, many times we learn a great deal. And I say that to kids, too. And I say that in classrooms. Don't be afraid to fail because you can learn from this. I mean, Thomas Edison did. How many times did he try to get the light bulb going before he actually did? So, you know, that was one. Mm -hmm. And something else is don't be somebody you're not. And I think that's extremely important because people see through that so rapidly, it's unreal, and they should see through it. Right, and I think that resonates especially in leadership. I do too. I mean, you have to be, 
honest, trustworthy, and you can be counted on. And this is that person I know. This is not, well, what is he today? What's he pretending to be today? I don't go that route. Right. And, and what's interesting is that you can deceive yourself in thinking that you're deceiving everybody else, like that emperor that has no clothes, right? But yes, you better believe it. Nice, that's a very good one. I like that, yes. I, and everybody that. sees it. Everybody sees it. And so I'm a big believer, especially in leadership, when we're influencing so many people, that we really need to reflect on ourselves. And so yes. this speaks to that. So thank you so much for that. And yeah. that's something we should do, too, because when we get in our car to go home, we should think about what is it that we could have done differently today and let's try that tomorrow mm. you know just kind of reflect on what your day was like and see what we can do to make the next day that much better right and that speaks to having the best day of your life right even if you have a bad day right you can, you believe you can always reflect and learn yep. for the next day so that's somebody else is having a worse day than i am you're wonderful <laughs> so what does it mean to have a good team and how can you build one or sustain one? In a school setting or if you're a leader and you're leading people, I really truly feel that Joe Paterno had a great comment. He was the coach at Penn State for many years. And his comment was, when a team outgrows individual performance and learns team confidence, excellence becomes reality. Mm. And so we have to move away from the individualized, it's all about me, and okay, what can we do as a team to get that done? And when you were talking about authors, uh, Thomas Quick mm -hmm. is an author that I read that talks a great deal about building of teams. And so he had a number of characteristics of effective teams. So if you don't mind, I would like to share some of those with you. We don't mind at all. All right, good. He says, information flows freely up, down, sideways, and is open and honest. And I think if you're going to build a team, that has to happen. You have to listen. It doesn't all come to top down. It has to come from the people that are on this team building adventure with you. So I think that's extremely important. People's relationships are trusting, respectful, collaborative, and supportive. They have to be able to say, okay, here's how I feel without someone saying, well, you know, I really think people have to feel that they are important in this team building. Also, as you know, conflict is regarded as natural, even helpful on issues, not persons. When you attack or you make someone look bad because they made a comment, those kinds of things. So there's the distinction. Uh, the atmosphere is open non-threatening, non-competitive, and everybody participates. And I think that goes to all the things I've just said before, you know. If you're going to bring them into a team setting situation, then you have to listen to them. That's extremely important. And decisions are by consensus and uh, full commitment. Mm -hmm. You may not agree with the decision that's made, but the consensus of the group is this, and so therefore we need to take that out to the rest of the staff and students mm -hmm. so that we're solid in what we are doing. Because if we don't do that, then that team building really is quite weak. Mm -hmm. The team's creativity is solution oriented, not sit around and talk. Let's come up with a solution and make sure that we can all get consensus on this. That works well. The power base is shared by all. In other words, it's not Jim Knowles 
principal, superintendent. It is the team building, and we're going to sit down and we're going to listen to this. We're going to come together with some kind of a solution, and it doesn't have to be my solution. And don't be afraid to say what you feel like you have to say. Mm-hmm. And rewards come from contributions to the group and peer recognition. We all like peer recognition. There are good individuals, but when you bring them all together and they bring all their strength, that's when you really do have a team. Awesome. So, Jim, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? When I was a youngster growing up and into my teens and even first years of college, I was quite a shy person. Mm -hmm. And to get up in front of people and speak and those kinds of things were not easy for me. And here I was choosing a teaching profession. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> which, where, you're, where you're up in front all the time, right? Well, you have a captive uh, audience that, there, though. <laughs> well, yeah, you have a captive audience sometimes. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but uh, I think my role models really brought me through that and gave me the confidence that I needed to get up in front of people and to give direction and so on and to lead. And I think my coaching career also helped with that a great deal because I had to work with a number of different personalities and that certainly did help me as I moved on to other leadership capacities. But I think one of the things that I found that was a challenge for me was because when I was an athlete, I was very competitive. I really had to in time kind of hone back that competitiveness because it was only a game we were playing and these kids were here to learn other things other than we won the game they're here to learn integrity they're here to learn hard work and those kinds of things so so i want to kind of talk a little bit about coaching i see the value in your experience as an athletic coach and how that has flowed into your leadership correct yes it has And I think that was because the model of the gentleman, his name was Joe Tassi, who was my high school coach, was phenomenal. The man really understood young people. He really knew how to get to them. He was approachable. He was a disciplinarian. There was no doubt about that. And I had the pleasure of really being close to him until he passed away a few years ago. I used to see him often because my wife and I would travel to State College, and that's where he lived, and we always had great experiences there. So his way was great, and I really appreciated that. I tried to model myself after his coaching. Right, and so, you know, Maxwell says this, and I strongly believe that you can't be a great leader if you don't know how to coach. I agree with that. That's a great statement. Yeah. And so I think one of the missing elements when we prepare administrators or we prepare leadership in education is that component of talking and speaking to coaching and coaching techniques and principles that are very effective in leadership. Can you speak to that a little bit? Coaching, you really have to care about what you are doing. And you have to care about the people that you are coaching. And I think when you go into education, it is the same way. You're working with teachers. You're working with staff members other than teachers. You're working with students. You have to care about them. You have to understand them. They have to be able to understand you. And I think that's what the coaching does. Because, you know, I always said that as a coach, you got to know your students better than you ever did in a classroom because you saw them in pressure situations 
And we as humans sometimes act differently in pressure situations. And so I think that really did help in leadership, understanding how people are affected by pressure. Some people take it real easy, others don't. And so you need to work with those people to say, okay, how can we do this better? And that's one of the things that I talk about when I write my weekly column, either superintendent's corner when I was a superintendent or principal's corner now that I'm at Merle Primary. I bring these things up so that people understand who I am too. Right. My experience with coaching has been that a coach looks at potential and looks yes. at performance and yes. tries to kind of bring yep. those together. Yep. And that's excellent. Yes. Which is what a leader does or should do. Yes, right? yes, you better believe it. <laughs> so <laughs> we hope that they do. Well, that's that's our goal, right? That's what we're yes, growing to do. Certainly is. Certainly is. So, Jim, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped your life? You know, I've been so fortunate, as I've said a number of times during our talk, that I'm in a profession that I love, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't have that in their life. I think everything that I have done at Iroquois, and you know, they've been great to me here. And I've had a great experience with everybody, parents, kids, you name it. But I think one of the really great experience I had was to be the superintendent of the New York State School for the Blind for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. It was a position that was only supposed to be for six months, and it lasted for three <laughs> and a half years. Well, that speaks to uh, your leadership, by the way. Was, well, I'll tell you, what, I learned a great deal from being there. I went into a situation where they were having some struggles there at the time. And I think my biggest accomplishment there and biggest challenge was to raise the morale of the persons who have dedicated their life to working with the children at the New York State School. And I felt so good to see them once again very up with their attitude and their morale. And I think that was extremely, extremely important because those children certainly need persons who are up Mm-hmm. Because they really do have their challenges, as you well know, by working with children with challenges. Mm-hmm. And I used to leave there every day and say, I don't have a problem in the world because right. look what these children can do. Look what this staff does. I say a big accomplishment, but it was also great for me because when I got out of college in 1962, I was offered a job teaching special ed. And at that time, there wasn't all kinds of certifications for special ed. They just looked at somebody and said, well, these, he might be able to get along with the children, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a coach. And so I came to Iroquois and I thought to myself, I wonder what it would have been like if I had gone into special education. And then some 40 years later, I wow. had the opportunity to work at the New York State School for the Blind. Now, you talk about somebody who's had a profession that's really been very positive. That was a great experience for me. Wow. That's great. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Now, Jim, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? You know, I think the first thing I would ask him would be, what have you done to change it? What have you done to change the culture in your building? What have you done to change the climate? And then I would proceed from there. Is it possible to change a culture? Yes, it is. When I was a teacher at Iroquois High School, I really felt there was a period of time when the culture in the high school was not what it should be. And we did have a a principal come in. His name was Dr. Richard Murado. And he was phenomenal at changing the culture in the building. And within six to eight weeks, 
the culture in the building changed because he sold what he wanted to do. He could explain, here's why we want to do this. Here's why I want teachers out in the hall between classes. And he was in the hall between classes. He supervised the dining room facilities. He changed the name from a cafeteria to a dining room because he said, you know, a dining room has a different way about it. He changed the seating arrangements. There were eight chairs at a table and no more. At the end of the dining room period, he would raise his hand and 200 kids would become silent. Mm -hmm. And we would excuse them one table at a time, which was cleaned and push their chairs in, you know, and I thought to myself, boy, that's a change. But he sold it and the kids understood it and he explained to them why he was doing it and he knew every child's name. Well, that's powerful because even if you're, let's say you're just in charge of the cafeteria, you can make such a change there with your influence and with your caring and really looking and observing at what's needed. He let the youngsters believe that they could do it Mm. and that is extremely important. You can do this. And I say the vast majority of youngsters will rise to the occasion. By those kids modeling, other kids will. Contagious. Yes, you better believe it. You better so, believe it. So, Jim, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. Yes. What does that mean to you, and what are you learning well, now? One, I never stop learning because I've gone to various different schools and in positions. But I tell you, if you always do what you have always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. And I really, truly believe in that. And don't be afraid to try. Leaders do research. They don't pick up just every fad. They do research. They say, what is it we need? How can we get there, etc." As I say, I read a lot and mostly motivational type things because I think as a leader, you have to be able to motivate people. Mm-hmm. And speaking of reading, what have you read that our listeners should read and why? Well, I'll tell you, there's a number of books. One out now is, is the number one on the bestseller. Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance is a story of a young man who is J.D. Vance growing up in an Appalachian town and what the hillbilly culture was like for him. He was one of them. And how he would probably be trapped into that had it not been for the fact that when he finally got some stability in his household by living with his grandmother and his grandfather in high school, then he began to think, well, gee, maybe I am smart enough to do this. And so he began to do a lot of studying. And then when he finished high school, he went in the Marines And that was a great four years for him because that gave him a discipline that he did not have before because of his home life and so on. Mm -hmm. And he then applied and went to Ohio State. And he finished Ohio State, I think, in 18 months. He went straight through. He took the maximum number of credits you could take. And then when he got through Ohio State, he applied for law school. He was accepted and graduated from Yale Law School. And so this story is great. But the thing about it, it's a great story of him. But I think the thing that I got out of it was there are some cultures that are not going to change because this is how they have always been. This is how we've always done it. And I'm not changing. So his idea is you have to take the people who are on the edges of that and work with them. So that'd be an excellent book for people to read. Great. Another one I talked about earlier, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good business situation. 
Uh, he then did a social segment of that, a small pamphlet, which I applied to education, and it, it was great. So I thought his was good. Uh, How the Mighty Fall by him as well. And he makes a very good point in that uh, where he says to people, come up with good questions, not answers. <laughs> I think that's good. So why did this company fail? Well, let's ask, did we do this? Did we do this? Did we do this? Those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So I thought that was good. I like two books by Robert Gates, Passion for Leadership, which is excellent. He had worked for, of course, eight presidents and was uh, Secretary of Defense and Duty by Robert Gates. But it talks about leadership in each of those books. So I think it's great. With Jim Collins, it's good to great. He says, we don't have great schools because we have good schools. Mm -hmm. We don't have a great life because we have a good life. We -hmm. don't have a great government because we have a good government. So people become satisfied. Mm -hmm. So when I look at those, I like to say, okay, how can Marilla Primary move from good to great? And I talked to people about that. I talked to our staff about that, and I write that in my columns. You know, I love the fact that you're reading books that are really from different disciplines and not necessarily educational books. Right. Um, right. Because we can learn so much if we just cross the aisle, right? <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. You, that, and that's a good way to put it. And I've always felt, you know, reading uh, how does business operate. And I'm not to say that you have to operate a school like a business. Mm-hmm. But there are things that they do in business and how they sell a product those kinds of things which are extremely important in the education field as well right because selling is about influence yes it is Um, yes there's no doubt about it okay so jim what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have i would tell you very honestly i get up every day excited to come to work and that's why I've done it for 49 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I really do enjoy getting up and coming to work and seeing the students and seeing the staff and seeing progress that we're making and they are making. I really do enjoy that. The only time perhaps that I have had difficulty with coming to work was when I had to deal with people who felt entitled. And so I would have to work with those people as best I could and to let them know that, you know, we're not here necessarily for your person. Mm-hmm. We are here for students, and that's what we should concentrate on. And so I'm not a big believer in entitlement. So that's the only time probably I would have difficulty, but I got through those things. Well, that's great. You're an anomaly. You have an amazing energy, and it is contagious. Some of our listeners, we have to set our minds. Like, what advice would you give us? Like, for instance, I know you get up energized, but is there a routine that you do? Is there a framework? Is there uh, some disciplines that you follow to yes. take care of yourself? Because I can see you take good care of yourself and well, you I, have a lot of energy. I'm very fortunate in that I've been healthy. But I get up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. I go to the gym at 5 o'clock and work out. Yes. And I do that seven days a week. Uh-huh. <laughs> On the weekends, I can sleep in because I don't home until seven. But uh-huh. I do get up and do that. I try to watch what I eat and so on. But I think the working out and getting in in the morning and the energy that builds for that, you know, takes you into the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go to bed early at night, which I can do because we don't have young children or anything like that. Right, so right, right, <laughs> that's right. easy to do. People who are in leadership work long hours, and I look at this, and that's difficult. I'm not a hobby person, and so my work is my fun. Right. And every now and then, my wife has to say to me, you know, you got to settle down. you got to back off a bit, and I do, and I read, and we go to visit our kids in Virginia, so those are all fun things. Yeah. So I think that, yes, you do have to take the time for yourself 
having a relaxing ride home after you work is good to clear your mind so you do not take all of troubles home. Like you can listen to a podcast on your way home. That's right. That's the best thing to do. I listen to TED Talks. I enjoy them as well. Yes, I'm a fan. (laughs) Okay, good. That's basically it. But I really do have to watch myself. Well, you know, you said something that is seems to be a common thread with people that I have interviewed. When it comes to balance, they have someone speaking into their lives because sometimes we don't see that we need that balance, right? Right, Especially you're with right. someone who loves to work, and I tend to fall in that category. So, Jim, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? As far as I am concerned, I've been very fortunate. So there's not a lot that I would change because I have been so fortunate in what I've done. And I would say probably listen, observe, keep your mouth shut for a while, and model yourself after the people that you have as role models. And that's what I have tried to do. And so when I say I wouldn't change things, I've been fortunate all the time that I've had those role models that have been very positive, they've had integrity, Mm -hmm. and that's extremely important to me. And, you know, this is very connected to who you are. When I asked you, how was your day? And your response is, I've had the best day of my life yet. So this is very connected to that because you occur to me as someone who's very self-reflective. You think through things, you learn from your mistakes, you learn from the good and what appears to be not so good. And so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we've come to our last question. Actually, is there anything that we haven't addressed that you'd like to share with our listeners? No, you really have. And I appreciate the questions you have asked and the discussion we have had. As far as leaders are concerned, I would like to ask that they remember what our job as a leader is all about. It's about the students and the staff we work with or in the private sector, the persons who work with you. As I said in the quotes to start the interview, Don't tell me how much you know till you show them how much you care. I think Mm -hmm. that's extremely important. And we're very fortunate to be in a profession that shapes the future. In our job, uh, we must demonstrate integrity, caring, empathy, and grit. Mm. And that's what I would say to any leader. Don't be afraid to care. Don't be afraid to have empathy for others and have grit and you'll get through it. So, Jim, I want to thank you so much for adding value to not only to my life, but to the life of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate talking to you. And it's great to see what you do, because I really do think that people need to listen. And if they get some ideas, great. Then makes it a better world for all of us. That's our goal. Thank you. Hello, leaders. Don't forget to go to masterleadership.org to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of the exceptional leaders that are featured on this podcast. Until next time, bye.